Hello everyone, you're listening to the Brunson Bugle, the number one place to get your kinetic fix in the podcast world. I'm Lee Rooney. And I'm Dan McLennan. It's draws galore as United are held nil-nil twice in a row against fellow promotion hopefuls as the race for a place in League One starts to get tense. We look back on the stalemate with Stephen Bradford for looking ahead to this weekend's trip to Kent to face Gillingham. Yeah, not, not much to talk about this week, is there, Dan? Is it fair to say? Yeah. <laughs> just, you know, well, all these goals we predicted in the predictions and, and none of us ever go for a nil-nil draw, do we? We're always mm. very certain on that. But, um, I mean, two very contrasting games, as we'll discuss, I think it's fair to say. You know, the Stevenage game was a lot more tense and a lot more... You know, neither team really wanted to give much. The Bradford game was a total contrast, there, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. Uh, Stevenage was more a war of attrition, mm-hmm. whereas Bradford was definitely a much more open flowing game. Yeah. A game of two halves. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, but no, two points, no goals conceded, and two promotion rivals haven't gained on us. So. That's, that's the big positive, isn't it? I yeah. Think that, that's yeah. how you look at it, you know, the, the, the clean sheets is a really big thing as well, I think, as well. It puts us in a really good position going into these final nine games that we're going to talk about in the preview section as well. So uh, so there you go. Right, uh, well, let's get into it then. Um, first up, I've got to tell you uh, about the sponsorship of the podcast, of course, and where you can find us on podcast apps and also how to get in contact with us. We'd like to say a big thank you to the Carl United Sports Club London Branch for once again sponsoring the podcast this season. The London Branch is open to all Carl United fans. They've got members from Cornwall to Dundee and Houston to Singapore and of course every part of London and the South East. They regularly meet up on away trips as well as arranging many social events, sporters games and fundraising for the club. This season they'll be providing us with information for the away games as part of the preview section. You can find out more about the London Branch at their website, carlislelondonbranch.org. If you haven't already... Please make sure you subscribe to the podcast. You can find us on all good podcast apps, whether it's Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts. Basically, search for the Brunton Bugle, click subscribe, and then when a new episode comes out, you'll get a little notification to tell you to download it and listen to it at your leisure. Also, if there's an option to review on any of those apps, please do so. If you can give us a five-star review, that would be really lovely. It's a great way for us to get the message out about the podcast and so more people can learn about it. And uh, yeah, we can spread the word even more. You can also find us on social media, at Brunton Bugle, on Instagram and Twitter. If you go onto Facebook and search for the Brunton Bugle, click like as well. You can follow our page. Uh, we're also on the Be Just and Fear Not Facebook group and also on the Buzzies Back message board, the new message board that's replaced the Cumbrians.net. Uh, and also, if you want to drop us an email, Bugle at gmail.com. Okay, Dan, let's get into it. Uh, not really much to cover news-wise, really, is there? Um, just a brief update on the old uh, 10 punt to get in the grun. Uh, campaign that's on for the Tranmere Rovers game on Good Friday. Sales going well so far, aren't they? Yeah, seem to be. Uh, I saw the club announced this morning. Uh, I'm not sure what time I've been in bed after nights. <laughs> uh, that the social distancing block, which is block yeah. eight of the East Stand, won't be for this game. So that sort of indicates that uh, seat sales, especially, are going well. I know. Over on my side, on the old stand, there's not many left already. No, no, definitely not. And uh, yeah, it, it, that that I, you kind of forget that that section is uh, basically um, social distancing. I've been for a while, and 
it's one of those things, I think it will get to a point soon where that'll probably end up being, I mean, next season, if we go up, you probably have to, because... I, I don't think, I don't think it'll be a thing next season, to be quite honest. No, it's no. It served its purpose, yeah. you know, but... Uh, yeah, definitely. It's, it's time time to, to finish uh, that, I think. And a lot of it's actually used for the kids who play the football, isn't it, basically? Half yeah, sort of the front half, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, so that's good news. Yeah. So, yeah, um, you know, get, get your tickets bought now. And obviously the club have been doing the... Um, uh, ticket donation scheme which seems to be going really well quite a few businesses uh, getting involved with that I've seen a few people we know as well getting involved in contributing tickets Dan so it's it's, it's really nice to see isn't it you know that yeah, everyone's getting behind uh, it a, a, lot, a lot of folk have like videos and tagged other companies which yeah. you know jokingly leans on them to do so I mean, it's, you know, it's, and, and, it's and, done in a way that actually, those companies know each other, don't they? They know they're both oh, going to yeah, do yeah. it, don't they? So it's not pressured. Well, I, 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 I do know of other companies who have just done it without the uh, yeah. the fanfare, each to their own. They all count. Yeah, exactly that, isn't it? I've seen Rickaby have made a really good donation as well today. You know, a big sponsor of the club, aren't they? So you'd expect that, I guess. Yeah, so. Yeah. so there you go. Uh, only have a little bit of news. Um, is the club announced the end of season awards due uh, for this year, haven't they? It's going to be taking mm. place on the Sunday after the final home game against Salford City. So before the season's ended, and I can kind of understand this because it's sort of been, it's been put out a little bit, hasn't it? Because I think normally they would have had it on the Sunday, the, the 7th, wouldn't they? Yeah. Of May, yeah. after the Sutton game, basically. But because that game's been moved to the bank holiday Monday, and then, you know, if we're in the playoffs, you've then got the playoffs coming up. If we have already gone up and, you know, the season's over players want to get away on holiday and you don't really have any opportunity to do it during the week. You can't really keep them till the following weekend, can you? So it, it's kind of the only time they can fit it in. So it's Sunday the 30th of April. All the details are on the official website. They've moved to a new venue, I see there, Dan. It's not what I recognise the name of. Yeah, it's uh, it's basically out uh, the golf course area over at... Uh, oh, I always forget the name of this area. I want to say Newby, but I'm, I can't remember. But yeah, it's... Uh, the only problem with it in my... My view is it's not the best transport wise. Yeah, with it with it being the Sunday of a bank holiday weekend, taxes are going to be expensive for those yeah. who want a, a couple of sherries, etc. Yeah, you'd be almost thinking maybe it'd be good to have a couple of shuttle buses running, really, wouldn't it? Yeah, just, just yeah, a couple, a couple of shuttle buses, uh, you know, get people would, would be would be handy. But it, yeah, it, it, it looks like it's going to be a good dude, doesn't it? It looks a bit more... They, they seem to, like, last couple of years, it it was a very traditional sort of thing, wasn't it? The ones I went to yeah, in the past. Yeah, they yeah. seem to have sort of stepped it up, haven't they? And they're looking to make it a bit... Yeah. I think they've seen the way other clubs do it, and it, it's a bit more glitzy now, which is nice to see, really. Yeah, it should, so it should be, you know. I mean, exactly. Ho- hopefully by then, we'll already be promoted, just needed a win at Sutton to become champions. So. Exactly, exactly yeah. that, exactly that. But yeah, because like I said, the past ones you guys see, the, the, the food at the at the, um, the auctioneer was lovely, but it's one of those the, things, the, isn't it? The, the, food, the food's always been good down there, you yeah. know, the, the roasts and that. I mean, bloody hell, there'd be something wrong if there was. You know? Yeah, although I, I, I do remember um, a, a Rory Loy committing an international war crime uh, by putting ketchup on his Sunday roast. That we oh, my thing. missus does that on Christmas dinner and all sorts. How are you? Yeah. What, what, Bad pots. It's almost as Weird. bad as, as Mike not having tomato sauce on his pizza. Yeah, I've told the world that now. I, there you go. I was, uh, what day was it? Saturday after the match. I had to go yeah. and do a couple of jobs. And we're like, we'll just have a takeaway tonight. And uh, I was, I, I think I'd ordered a mixed kebab. And I was waiting in the pizza shop. Mm. And this bloke came in and did exactly the same. I, I would like a so-and-so pizza, but not enough tomato rubbish on it. Those were his very words. 
what, what, what's wrong with these people? I, I immediately thought, do you know my group? <laughs> yeah, it makes sense, doesn't it, really? But there you go. Uh, you've got a group of them. Yeah, you've got one bit of news as well to add in and understand, Don. Yeah, uh, just uh, give a shout out uh, for the QOS quiz next week. Yes. Uh, Thursday night down at Fox's. Uh, £5 a ticket. There are tickets available uh, online. If you, we, We've set up a little shop to sell them, but if you can't find it, look on the QOS Twitter and there's plenty of tweets about it. Uh, we've got our guest host announced, yeah. Toby Shaw Silver. He's, uh, he's coming down. I was on the phone to him the other night uh, mm. arranging it, and uh, he's really looking forward to coming down. And uh, You know, it's, it's, it's just a fun thing, you know, five rounds, bit of general knowledge. Bit of Carl United. Yeah. There's pie and peas available on the night, and Toby's going to do a little uh, question and answer when the quiz is done. You know, and Brilliant. It'll, it'll just be a good little event. So if you yeah. fancy that, have a look on our Twitter, find the post, get your tickets, and come on down. Get yourselves down, definitely. One hundred percent encourage. If I was living in Carlisle, I'd be there. I'd be there. I'd have my own little team together, and I'd be having a go to try and win it. Probably. But, I uh... I've wrote the questions, and I've deliberately not made them too hard. Yeah. So. Who 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 was third top scorer in 64-65 won't be the type of question. <laughs> oh, that's a shame, because I'd, I'd probably get that. But there you go. Right, let's get on to the, the loan watch, Dan. We'll, we'll, we'll wrap this up fairly quickly. Um, Max Killsby made his 27th appearance of the season for Allen, but it wasn't a great afternoon for him and the Galabankis. Unfortunately, they went down to 2-1 defeat at 4 Fire Athletic. They've closed within three points of them. Now, they did have two games in hand, but they actually lost one of their games in hand in midweek. So they've only got one game in hand now, so they can only go level on points of hand. So it's a really tight battle for the playoffs in uh, Scottish League too, which is nice to see. Actually, I should say Max came off as a half-time substitute in this one, so I don't know if he maybe had a knock or something, but uh, and it was one yeah, the, at that the, point. The, the top two were Sterling and Dumbarton. It's basically a battle between them for who gets the automatic. And then, the and then there's, I think there's... It's probably six teams could make mm. the other two spots. It's tight, isn't it? Really tight. So mm. they're battling for the, uh, the those two spots, and obviously those three then go up against the team that finishes. Is it second bottom in the division above? It will be yeah. Yes, that's how yeah. it works now. Yeah, so it's very interesting the way they do the playoffs in Scotland. There's always good so. games. I've, I've been mm. to a couple. I went to Anne and Edinburgh last year when Edinburgh went mm. up and really good. It was about twelve, thirteen hundred. That's the night Greg Abbott was through watching Owen Moxon yeah. actually. Because we, mm. ch- we had a little chat with him pre-match and, uh, yeah, it all became apparent a couple of weeks later. <laughs> of course they did. Uh, right, uh, Lewis Bell, a better afternoon for Gretna and him uh, at the weekend. They were involved in a thrilling 3-3 draw with the brilliantly named Open Goal Broomhill. Uh, for those curious why they're called Open Goal Broomhill, I think it's linked to a, a podcast run by former Swindon and Celtic players, Cy Ferry, I think. I seem to remember. I think he he's basically took over a, a loan and league club. Him and his media setup, and that I don't know how well they're doing in the league to be honest. But it seems to be quite heavily involved there. But anyway, free free draw. Uh, Lewis actually got on the score sheet. He scored uh, to make it three two in the second half. Uh, but then Gretna promptly threw away the lead uh, two minutes later, and it was finished three three. So not not what, too what's bad. It, what's result. the name of them again? Open goal, Broomhill. Eleventh. 11-4, there you go. So they're Yeah, they're, they're just listed as, as Broomhill on uh, yeah. my yeah. app. Yeah, well, fair it is. Um, they've got a tough game this weekend, though, the Anvils, haven't they? They travel up to Edinburgh on Sunday, and they're going to be facing the Spartans, who are top of the league at the moment. So I, I, I don't it's, fancy their chances. It's very, very tight, because Spartans, mm. Rangers being Celtic being 
And even Sterling and Tranent in fourth and fifth, there's five points covers all teams and there's about four hmm. games left, I think. Quick question, you might know this, Dan, or you might not, I don't know, but Celtic and Rangers B, can they get promoted into the Scottish League or they're not allowed to? No, part of the not allowed. No. So if they finish top, what happens is it basically drop down to the next nearest one? I would, assume, I would assume it drops down to the next, yeah. Yeah, okay, so basically... Because, because if, if they came up, they would have to declare squads, which would then mm. mean, you know, someone plays for the B team first half of the season Can't then gets promoted it. into the senior, they wouldn't be able to, whereas yeah. at the moment they can Right, that 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 makes sense. That that that's fair enough, I suppose. Um, but yeah, well, it so, isn't because I'm against B team football. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean. I mean all, it, 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 it's very yeah. like what they do in Germany, isn't it? Basically, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Done there. I don't think it's right for English football, but but there you go. Um, up next, Sam Fishburne. A bit of a mixed week for him. Um, Morp have got a vital three-two win over Stalybridge Celtic at the weekend, but he actually was an unused substitute in that game. But in midweek, he started and he scored the opening goal in a 5-0 win over Whitley Bay in the Northumberland Senior Cup. And as a result, the Highwaymen will now face Blythe Spartans in the final at St. James's Park. So, nice opportunity there for Sam, isn't it? I think it's fair to say. Mm. Um, he's not really had a great time of it there in terms of the, the goals. It's It's been a Very hit and miss, hasn't it? I, I don't think that's so much all of his fault, to be fair, though. I don't no, no. Fault at all. I think they've just struggled. And when you're struggling at that level... You, you, you often don't want to rely on a young lad who's on loan, really, do you, to try yeah. and drag you out? But um, but there you go. Before that final, though, they've got a, a trip to Stafford Rangers. God, that is a trip and a half mop of to Stafford uh, yeah. in this weekend before a midweek home fixture against Warrington Town. Uh, Kai Nugent, um, not a great weekend for Kai and Workington either, really. Um, they lost 3 0 at City of Liverpool FC, and Kai was substituted at half time. This, by all accounts, probably their poorest performance of the season, but apparently City of Liverpool's best performance of the season, so just bad timing for them there. And uh, did you see who scored one of the goals in this one, Dan? No, I didn't. The, the ever young Kevin Ellison. Oh, yes, sorry, yes. Uh, someone mentioned that to me now you mentioned it, yeah. Yeah, so it, it, it's yeah. amazing that he's still going, isn't it, really, to be fair. Like, he's one of these people, isn't he? Because we used to hate him for a while, didn't we? But we kind of grew to like him in the end, you know, because he, he he basically, you know, he he joined in with it, didn't he, really, when he gave him some stick. He didn't really mind too much, so... Which is the best way to handle it, I think it's fair to say. Uh, this weekend, the Workington have got a home tie against Glossop North End. Were Glossop North End one of your answers on Pointless? Night, they were. I became, I even got a tweet off them after the programme was aired. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, so Glossop North End at home, uh, and then they got a midweek trip to Lancashire for the rearranged game with uh, Colm. I, I said this to Greg the week, I think, when I mentioned that when we did the episode with Greg and they were play, supposed to be playing Colm. Do you remember Colm Dynamos? Oh, in the yes, you are. Yeah, that was like, what a it, setup that was. They were the original, like, big money non-league side, weren't they? They were trying to get themselves yeah. into the league. I think they were found in the 60s and they disappeared mm. about 1990. Yeah. And it was just crazy for a few years. They had, like, they had some really big plays. From, I can't remember who exactly were, but they had some real money behind them. And then, like I said, bang, they just disappeared. And obviously, they've, they've worked their way back now, but... Yeah, really, really, really strange one that one. But there you go. I think uh, I think was it not something about the ground was denied them a promotion. I'm, yes, I'm sure they tried to play at Burnley. I, you know what? I think you're absolutely right. I because I, rem- I remember there's, there's an article a few years back in when Saturday Comments magazine about it. So um, I'd have to try and see if I can dig it out because I probably got it because upstairs. the the, orig- the original the, well the new column 
they didn't. It wasn't one of them where it happened overnight. It was a few no. years later when they actually formed. No, you're absolutely right. Um, yes, I'll, I'll, I'll have a look at that later. We'll maybe we'll discuss it next week when we talk about how Kai's got on in that game. But there you go. Uh, Dan Hill, um, another appearance for him for Clayton Moore and more goals for Clayton Moore Celtic. They've made it seven goals in two games. Unfortunately, the three goals came in a four-three defeat at uh, Ilkley Town. Um, Dan played the full ninety minutes again this week. They've got a home clash with Pilkington FC, who are from a sort of uh, outskirts of uh, St Helens. Are they? Uh, are they like a works team for the Glasser? Uh, yes, or yes, I think they were yeah. basically. That's how they started out. Yes, you're right yeah. there. You'll have, you've seen Pilkington when you go through on the train, don't you, to Liverpool? Yeah, yeah, that's how you remember yeah. It. Uh, And then they've got a midweek trip down the coast to take on Hulk Old Boys. Right, Dan, let's get on to it then. Uh, first up, Kai United nil, Steven Inge nil. Um, not a game for the ages, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, like I said at the start, more a war of attrition. Yes, absolutely. Um, it, it, it's one of those ones, wasn't it, really? You had all that big build-up and everyone's saying it's the game of the weekend, everyone can't wait to see it. And there's always that lingering feeling in the back of your head of like, we're coming up against a Steve Evans idea. You know exactly what's yeah. coming, don't you? Really? Do well, the, the key, the key stat I man- mentioned on my Twitter just after the game, there was one shot on target between both teams in the game. Yeah, you know, there's plenty up. of shots. I, th- I think there was about nine each or ten each or something. In fact, you've said there was one shot on target between each side. I, I've got zero shots on target according to um, the stats that I've got from Steve. <laughs> Ah, yeah, no, between both teams. I oh, sorry, between. Sorry, I thought yeah. you meant each there. Sorry, I'm, I'm missing yeah, you there. Yeah. No, yeah, that sums it up then, basically. 18 really. shots, nine each, with only one being on target, for, yeah. and it was for us. A but, lot of long-range like, efforts. As, as the whistle went, my one of my mates said, I can't remember the keeper making a save for either team. No, no. I think the only save I can think of was the from the disallowed goal, which we'll, we'll talk about in a minute. But, um, but yeah, not a really massive surprise there. You know, when the lineups were announced, Dan, were you, were you shocked to see that we, we we basically got with the same eleven again, or did you feel nah, like maybe they need really. to freshen up? No, nah, I mean, that's, yeah. I suppose I can get it. And I, maybe... I, I think I, I think if it was going to be a freshen up, it was always going to be the Bradford game. Yeah, it, it was kind of like one of those ones. I think this was probably a game too far for sticking with the same lineup for so long, wasn't it? I think that's one thing that stood out from it, wasn't it? Um, so yeah, no big surprise there. Um, in terms of the chances and incidents, I mean. <sighs> There's not a huge amount to talk about, really, is there? When you look at it in terms of, you know, say, like you said, no really saves from the keepers. I mean, I'm looking through here. Um, I mean, Armour had a long range effort that bobbled wide of the post, and but then the keeper had that washed all the way. Um, let's be, let's be honest. There's three main incidents. Yeah, well, I mean, probably the focus yeah. on them then. I think the best thing to yeah. do. Let's start with the the, the the disallowed goal. Correct decision, isn't it? One of those ones. There's, there's uh, no yeah, yeah, yeah. Finney's a yard. Finney's a yard. Oh, so offside. There wasn't a huge amount of argument from our players when it was disallowed. No. Even so, I think Feeney had an idea in his head that he drifted just a little bit. It's a nice little move, though. You know, ball the, in the flag went up early as well because yeah. before it went in the net, I saw the flag going up. I did as well. Everyone, yeah. everyone around me jumped up, and I was just sat there going, "Flags up." Yeah, yeah. So it's one of those ones. It, it good, good ball in the box and box, and nice little flick on from Merish and Feeney just strayed beyond the defender. And yeah. to be honest, that's the only way he would have got to the ball was straying beyond the defender as well. So it's kind of one of those like. It's not like he could have held his run really, so he, he gets a shot who, in. Who, who's header? Uh, it was it was Mellish that flicked it on, wasn't it from the yeah. from the Moxon ball in? Um, like I said, Feeney sort of bundles it towards goal. The keeper spills it really. He didn't do a very good job yeah, of it, did yeah. he? 
And then Ghana's there to head into the empty net. Ghana's yeah, no, on the one is offside. It, it, when, yeah. when you said it, it sounded as though you were saying uh, Feeney's goal was disallowed. Oh, sorry. I mean, maybe I did yeah, that by yeah. accident, but there you go. Yeah, no, it was, yeah. it was Ghana's header that um, yeah. that went in. But yeah, the, the whistle had, had, and flag had you know, been up well before that. Yeah. Uh, no no real issues there. Um, well, let's talk about the penalty incident just at the end of the first half. Um, how's the ref not given this? Well, when when you see that picture that the club tweeted, and yeah. Huntington's shirt is literally round his neck, and that's about it. It's over his shoulders. You know? He's been lifted over yeah, his shoulder. Yeah, it, it, yeah. It's a, I mean, it is. Apparently, the ref told Simo that um, they were basically both pulling, and, and Huntington was doing it just as much. So, you know, he, he couldn't give a penalty. Watch the replay back. He's not. He's not at all. Yeah. Huntington's trying to get away into space. He's not touching their player. Their player, Sweeney, is not even looking at the ball and he pulls the shirt over his head. And yeah, it's yeah. easy to say, oh, it's wriggled off him or whatever. But yeah. it's like, that doesn't matter. He still pulled the shirt and as a result, Huntington can't get away. So and there was, in the aftermath, the classic Stevenage shit out of me yeah. of trying to get a man tactics. sent off. Distracting yeah, tactics. Yeah. There's a yeah. claims of a headbutt. Now, if you watch the video... I should say it's interesting that the club didn't put up the pitch side blues bit of that, but they don't generally do that, do they? Just in case there's something that's yeah. been missed from it. But actually, when you watch the video, even from the TV angle, Feeney does not lean his head in at all on no. Pierre Gianni. And Pierre Gianni throws himself down. It's, a, it's embarrassing, really, from a you know a big, strong centre-back like him of that size to go down like that. The ref, I think, does the right thing in the end. He books the pair of them and says, look, grow up. Almost, isn't it really? So yeah. I, you couldn't gr- grumble too much about that. There's an argument that Pierre Gianni maybe should be sent off for simulation, but but there you go. Um, and in the end, you know, nothing comes to the, the follow-up um, corner. Um, into the second half, I mean, they had a couple of long-range efforts that went just wide, but Holy was watching them all the way on both occasions, wasn't he? Um, there was an alleged stamp by Mellish at one point. Now, when you watch the video back, it is not a stamp at all, is it? It's actually embarrassing again for March. His behaviour really there. He's got he's got caught and it's a free kick. Fair enough. Melish sort of goes over because he's holding his side or whatever, and Melish is like, oh, "Come on!" And goes to grab him and help him up. And Marsh acts as if he stood on him, and properly reacts badly to it. In the end, both players get booked. I don't think Melish did much wrong, to be honest. It was a bit ridiculous, but um, but there you go. Um, and then in terms of other chances, I mean, there's not really many others for us. Was there really in terms of chances? There's a header over from Garland, that's about it. The amazing thing is, I'm looking through it. I don't think I've even got down the attempt on target, Dan. Written down, so he can't have been a great attempt. <laughs> it wasn't because when, when I looked at the stats, I was like, what was it again? So it must have been quite a tame week one, really. I've not got it written down, but anyway. Well, let's talk about the other, the big, Potential, well, the big talking point, potential red card. How is he not given this again? It, it's puzzling. Essentially, Callum Guy hooks up all over the top. Sweeney's caught daydreaming, ball watching, isn't he? And Edmondson, he obviously doesn't anticipate how quick Edmondson is, gets in behind him and gets past him. He hauls him down. It's not an attempt to get the ball. He hauls him down. And Edmondson's away. There's no covering defender coming across in time. Edmondson's into the box and got a chance to get a shot on goal. That's a goal-scoring opportunity. That's got to be a red card, surely. You would think so. It's baffling, isn't it? The, the, the one I think is, you, you put up a screenshot of, of a, the alternative angle, didn't you, of, um, from the pitch side blues, and he's got his arm on his shoulder, hasn't he? 
Yeah, and his legs wrapped around his uh, his leg, legs wrapped around his lower waist. Yeah. You know, it, it, and when some someone actually replied, "Bloody hell, I hadn't seen that angle." Clear <laughs> red, you know. I did enjoy. I mean, the Stevenage fans. I've never seen a fan base so obsessed with us. Really, after a game, they. Just, I think they're clearly a bit upset about the the, the club tweeting about their away following that they had bought in advance um, and making comments about that a lot. But one of their fans just kept, he put up a screenshot said, look, there's covering defenders. Like literally three seconds after the foul had been committed. So of course there's covering defenders by then, you know, it's not, it wasn't even close when the actual tackle went in. It's a ridiculous decision. But I mean, there's no guarantee we'd go and win the game, but it, it, you know, it suddenly makes the game a lot more balanced towards us, doesn't it? At that point. Oh yeah, I mean, I, this was uh, a point of view on the uh, the Buzz's back forum. Someone said, "There's no guarantee we'd have won." Well, no, but if a pe- penalty is correctly given and the red card is correctly given, it would have been free well, kicks. One nil up against just, out, just outside. The no, box, I mean, I mean for the first half. Oh, sorry, yes, 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 yes. Sorry. You know, you've got a potential of one nil, and then later them going down to ten, it would have been a hell of a different game. You know. Yeah. There is more likelihood we would have won. Not saying we would have, but it's interesting. Uh, after that game, we went to four, and obviously there was audience Stevenage, Northampton above us. We've played four games against the three of those, two to come. And in three of those games, there's been massive decisions. Yeah. Late in audience, there was yeah. two or three decisions where we got an apology. We should have had a point out that game. Yeah. Northampton away, Toby Shaw Silver's equaliser was wrongly yeah. ruled out, and we got an apology for that game. So that's two apologies, and I'm fully expecting we'll end up getting an apology of this game. And apologies are all well and good; they're admitting mistakes are done, but apologies don't equal points. I, we, I, we would we would have at least four more points, in my view. I said on Twitter, and I think you you agreed on this point, didn't you? You said, "Well, did that would be a set too far too sensible for the EFL?" Was why didn't they send a championship ref to this game? It's been built up all week by all, you know media and people saying it's you know biggest game in League Two for for weeks, or whatever. You know, really really big fixture. Why are you sending a referee with what a couple of seasons experience? Why are you not sending someone with eight or nine years experience or someone who's refereeing at championship level? This weekend against Gillingham, we've got a championship level referee, James Bell, refereeing our game. Why haven't we get someone like him? It's uh, puzzling. Why, why? The decision-making process there is just, just bizarre. Right, before we go into a few talk about this game, let's get a six-second review from uh, Craig Robson. Well, it seems we're never going to get a good referee, are we? I feel it was two <laughs> points lost that could be crucial in the future. Anyway, about the game, uh, it was obvious from the start that they came for a draw. I mean, the ref was obviously very biased after what should have been at least one penalty and one red card turned out to be a yellow card and zero penalties. Then suddenly, out of the shadows, came the mighty bat Steve Evans. Anyway, a dodgy ref <laughs> usually means a dodgy linesman. A Joe Garner header from a very short distance was ruled offside. I'm still unsure on that one. After a few chances, that after that, after that chance, we managed to keep him quiet. A few close calls that could have put us ahead, saved by the goalkeeper. Meanwhile, Steve Evans was still being abused by the fans. I mean, it was unlucky, but I can't help feel that we lost two crucial points that may have an impact on what we placed this season. On any other day, I think we could have won it, but so, but then again, so could they. I think Callum Guy deserved the man of the match, although I thought that the back five did quite well. 
A strong performance from Hawley helped too. After not having to do much, he made sure he stayed out the back of the net. It was very unlucky for Owen Moxon, who nearly scored due to a goalkeeper mistake, leading to him trying to score from our own half. It was a very close chance. All in all, an OK performance, but I think the moral of the story is that Steve Evans should stick to his pasties. Up the blues. <laughs> good lad. Good. Oh, it's good It's good to see the youth picking up the, the mantle, yeah. isn't it? Yes, indeed. Oh. Isn't it? Giving abuse to Steve Evans. Uh, you know what? Fair play to him for remembering that moxing chance, because that's the shot on target. It, it I completely must be, forgot. Must, isn't it? Yeah. And it, and it was, it's a weird one, because the ball had got out. I mean, I could totally understand where their where you know, coaches were annoyed about that one because the ball had clearly gone out for a throwing. But the linesman couldn't see it, so couldn't give it. Moxon yeah. gets the ball and keepers off the line and he just didn't quite get enough on it, did he? Yeah. But it's yeah. one of those ones I look and I think when you look back and you think, oh, could he not play that inside to Patrick? And he could have had a run yeah, at one-on-one yeah. against the defender. But hey, uh, what, you know, what, one thing time. I'm going to say in Steve yep. Evans' defence. Go on. The block knows what he's doing, huh? Oh, he's a decent manager. He's one of them. He's one of them marmites because he's never ours. We don't like him. Yeah. If he was in charge of us, I bet we'd like him. I'd still be pushing that. I think the whole being banned from football for two years for fraud thing would would make it difficult to like. Very difficult to like him. That's that's well glossed over now because yeah, people uh, forget it. It's twenty years ago. (laughs) Twenty years that happened ago now. So people just think of his antics on the touchline. No one forgets the fact that. You know, yeah. he very nearly went to prison for what he did. So, you know, yeah. it's just, it just goes to show, isn't it? Um, yeah, he's, he's right. I mean, let's let's get on to it. And, um, I'm talking points. Made, made some really good points there, Craig. Well done. Thank you as well to Craig as well. We'll put this up on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Craig uh, at school uh, has had a little project, hasn't he, where he's been doing laser etching on, uh, like, hard plastic. And uh, he's done me, you, and Mike... A coaster each, hasn't he? Yeah, with with the Brunton Bugle logo on it. It's wonderful. Yeah. So yeah. I'm gonna I'm, I'm using that right now. I've got me a uh, me little cup here on the uh, on the coaster. So thank you very much, Craig, for that. Really appreciate that. Um, and thank you once again for your six second review. Um, yeah, I mean we touched on the talking point about the fact that you know, ball drop, not a game for the ages. You know, neither keeper really having a save to make. Just just the way it is. Talking about their resistance, I mean. They look a very solid and clearly well-drilled setup, aren't they? And their attitude was pretty clearly: we don't want to lose this game at the very least, because they knew if they don't lose it, they're in prime position and they can, you know, whatever. We, even if you know we win our game in midweek, they've got a game in hand to come at a later date, so they're not too concerned. So, looking to maybe try and nick one on the on the break. I mean, yeah, it, it, it was. You can see why they're up at the top, can't you, Dan? Oh yeah, definitely. You know, I mean, they're, they're not they're solid. They've got experience right through the team. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, Pellegrini at the back. He's he's a bloody good defender. You know, yeah. likes of Bostwick and that. They've been around the houses. Uh, yeah. Norris up front. That they're solid. They've got a solid spine and they're organised. Yeah, yeah. And when when they play the dark arts, they all do it together. You know, yeah. so. Yeah. yeah, it was constant, wasn't it? That kind of stuff. Um, I was a bit surprised they didn't they didn't bring Danny Rose on, did they? I think they left him on the bench in this one, which is a little bit surprised because I don't know if Steve Evans was aware of you know his decent record in terms of um, you know um, against us. He always seems to score, doesn't he? Wherever he's been at, but um, 
Yeah, a bit of an odd one, that one. In fact, they only made two subs, which was a surprise, because he has a habit of making all five subs in game. So, a little bit shocked that he didn't uh, look to make any more. Um, yeah, so, looking through all the, any other talk points. I mean, there's, there's not a huge amount else to talk about in terms of this. Um, yeah, like Steve Evans' behavior on the touchline, he, I mean, his coaching staff, you well, you come to expect that now, don't you, really? It was, it was a little yeah. bit embarrassing at times, really, some of the stuff they were reacting to. But, I mean, his, uh, his assistant... Uh... Forget Rainer. his name, Paul Rayner. Who he's who? he's followed him everywhere, you know. Yeah. He's he, he somehow comes across as the the bigger bell end <sighs> of the two. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, that's, that's possible. Yeah, yeah. Uh, interesting one with him. Uh, do you know one time he played against Cal United in the past? The last time he played as a football against Cal United. Ooh, let me have a think about that because I've got a possible idea. Uh, was it at Wembley or something daft, was it? No, it wasn't. It's a game you'd rather forget. We were talking about the... Ilkeston. Uh, Ilkeston, Ilkeston that's it. We mentioned it. We meant, somebody yeah. mentioned it in the match, yeah. 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 We played for Ilkeston in that famous FA Cup tie that we uh, we we don't like to talk about in too much detail, yeah. but there you go. But yeah, it was it was a little bit embarrassing. And Evans' comments, I thought Simpson was very fair in the way he talks about it after the game. You know, he talks about you know they've got the dark, you know they. Do, do you, the you know Rayner played for Crawley in his early forties? I saw that. Yeah, I think it was very late yeah. on in his career, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, well, he would have been there with, with Evans, I guess, wouldn't he? At that time, I suppose yeah. he must have retired as a player under him. Um, yeah, he, Evans' comments after the game a bit, you know, saying we were terrified of their goalkeeper's kicks. There was one kick from their goalkeeper that nearly caught us out, and that was it. To be honest, he took that long to take it. I mean, he's wasting time from the 22nd minute on goal kicks. <laughs> utterly, the thing that annoys me with that is, as a referee, should his referee just, just warn him once, the second time book him, and then after that you give him maybe one more warning and say, you do it again, you're off, basically. Yeah. And they'll stop doing which, it. Which is when they bring a sub keeper on and uh, yeah. They, they, start again. Yeah, they, 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 you know, just, I don't know. Anyway, I think we've talked enough about that game. Let's talk about a much more yeah. exciting game. Bradford City nil, United nil. He says, more exciting game, another nil-nil draw. But it was, it was a much better game, wasn't it, Dan? It, there was, it had a bit of an edge to it, doesn't it? Didn't it really? The both sides had a good go at it in periods and... I don't know, Mark, you said that you know if we'd got that winner late on, it would have been a travesty. But actually, I I thought it was a, it was a pretty even contest and we could well have nicked it at the end there. Yeah. Uh, first half, half-time came at the wrong time for us because we were yeah. well on top. Yeah, that last 100%. sort of 15 minutes of the first half, we were well on top. And mm. we didn't really create clear cut, but it was it was coming, you know. Yeah. Uh, second half, they adjusted a little bit towards us coming down the left. Uh, they tightened up. And um, they, I would say, shaded the second half. They didn't have the dominance of us yeah. in the first half. Yeah. But they, they, they certainly had the second half. And, you know, Jordan Gibson hitting the post in the last few seconds would have been a, would have been a right result. But like I said earlier, nil-nil away from home at a promotion rival. Yeah. You know? The stats, when you look at them, are actually quite similar <laughs> to the Stevenage game. There's not a massive amount of difference. The two teams only had two shots on target between them, one each. Um, we had 11 shots in total. They had eight. Um, corners fairly similar. Possession pretty similar in terms of the home side, having a little bit more than the away side. 
and yeah, past success, their past success was a little bit better than Stevenage. Well, 20% better than Stevenage's 63 to their 43. I think it was Stevenage. Ours was 56, which was similar for both games. Um, in terms of the team selection, obviously, we expect it to be changes this and the, we've got the two changes up front in um, Edmondson and Dennis coming in for Garner and Patrick. In defence, though, bit of a surprise one, and this was forced by injury. Paul Huntington missed out, well, and Ben Barkley stepped in. When, when that obviously was announced, there was a part of the game on Saturday where for a couple of seconds, yes, yes. Huntington just seemed slightly, you know, as though he'd, he'd pulled something or well, something, you know. We presume he had a dodgy stomach, as in he was feeling sick and he was feeling like he was going to be sick. So that's what it looked like, didn't it? The way he was yeah. holding his stomach. And obviously it turns out he's, he's had a slight tear in his stomach. It's not too serious. He might even be fit for the weekend, is the hope. But um, I, I, I just think... Not worth Six, the risk. Seven hours on a bus. No, no. I no, think I think Simo's give him this with. weekend off yeah. and have him fit for for yeah. Ori. hundred percent, hundred percent. And I think Simo's just trying to get Gillingham to second guess there. Maybe I think what yeah. team he's going to pick. Yeah. Ben Barkley stepped in uh, and uh, Feeney shuffled into the middle of the three. We'll talk about Ben Barkley next. McGee deserves his own talking point. Um, in terms of chances and incidents, much more than the Stephen Hitch game. It's fair to say. Um, First half, it was, it was kind of just a, an almost sort of thing in terms of attack for us, wasn't it? The final ball was never quite good enough, really, to get the clean-cut chance, but our pressing was fantastic in that first half, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I had I follow on, and it was the Bradford commentators, mm-hmm. and they were, they were really good, actually. And you know um, what? The, I, sorry, go on. They commented on our press a lot and how... You know, together we were doing it. Yeah, I I listened because um, what I, I tend to do, I tend because if you if you subscribe to the um, to the match highlights, the extended highlights and stuff on the iPhone and the commentary, you can get access to the match replays as well. You can go back and listen. Yeah, with either the Radio Cumbria or the opposition commentary, and I like to listen and see what the opposition thoughts are, just to get a little bit of a sort of feel for it. Yeah, yeah. and it was really interesting, like you said, listen to the Bradford commentary how well-researched they were and how they basically were saying, like, you know, Carlisle are a very good team and you can see what, you know, they were talking about, you know, Mellish getting all these goals from midfield a few years ago, but now being a centre-back who pushes forward, talking about our press and, you know, I thought Alfie McCallum led that really well. And, for, you know, Christian Dennis didn't really have a clear goal-scoring chance, but his pressing was fantastic, wasn't it? The way he basically kept those centre-backs busy for the whole game, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. I mean, most people seem to judge Dennis on whether he scored a goal or not. That's not all he's about. No, like you say, he leads the press from the front. You know, and yeah, he, he he does a few unseen kilometers. That you know, yeah, absolutely. In terms of chances, like you said, there was. I mean, not a huge amount to pick out from the first half, but there was a few little moments. Um, there was a, one particular ball from into the box from Armour. It was a brilliant cross potentially looking for Dennis at the far post. It actually took a deflection off the defender that the yeah. officials completely missed. And they yeah. got a goal kick. And if it hadn't taken that flick, it was actually straight into the path of Dennis to basically put it into an empty yeah, net. Yeah, yeah. Which is the frustrating thing about that, I guess. Um, there was another moment where Mellish bundled into the box and he saw a, a shot block from close range. Um, the best one was probably um, when uh, McC- when Barkley lofted a lovely ball into the box that found Edmondson. And he kind of... He tried to almost nod it down as if it was a flick on. And actually, yeah. if he'd attacked it a bit more, I think the keeper might have been scrambling to push it behind rather than actually catch it on the line. So a little bit frustrating that one maybe there, I suppose. Um, 
And then bar that, there was a McCallman sort of hooked loft ball into the box that Dennis tried to get at the far post and the defender wasn't really watching the ball when he blocked him. But it's one of those ones, if it's given, you'd think it's a little bit soft, I guess. So not really going to grumble too much about that. And like you said, that halftime whistle, we were, we were saying in the stands, I got there just in time. Well, I actually missed kickoff because of the cues you, outside. You, you were a late, late decision to go, weren't you? Very late decision, yeah. I only decided about five o'clock on, on the Tuesday that, oh, why not? I might as well drive over and managed to get a ticket uh, off him. Make sure I get his name right here because he, he sorted me out a ticket in the right end. I think it was George. I'm going to double check that in a sec while we're talking. But yeah, at halftime, I was chatting with some of my mates and we were saying like, oh, it kind of feels like, you know, we were just bubbling out, starting to bubble over and starting to get these chances. And we, and the, the feeling was Bradford will not be as poor as they were in the first half. Because before the game, I was looking at Bradford fans' opinions of, you know, their team from the weekend and from, you know, on Twitter and stuff. And all their fans keep saying is, I can't, you know, so it shows how poor this league is. And I can't believe we're in, you know, fifth place or whatever it is because we're terrible. How are we so far up there? I thought, you can't be that bad if you're that high up in the league. And based on that first half, I was thinking... Actually, maybe they are a bit lucky because they they were constantly getting caught out by our press and just didn't seem to be able to work it out. Second half, they were a much better side, weren't they, Dan? Yeah, I mean, they'd obviously, like uh, I said earlier, they, they adjusted a little bit and, you know, the, they'd obviously got, not a bollocking, but, you know, words I would imagine. But mm. no, they were... Uh, they were a lot better second half. They obviously worked out us out a bit, you know. Like I said about the left hand side, and that was mentioned on the commentary as well. And they just they just looked better. But uh, once again, Andy Cook can't score against Carlo. Six games now he's played against yeah. us, and he's still not scored. I, I feel for him because this is probably as close as he's got. And he actually he was an absolute nuisance the second half, wasn't he? I just before we carry on, George. He's definitely gave me the ticket. George on Twitter, big thank you for helping me uh, sort of buy your spare ticket off you. Really appreciate that. So I was in the, the end where all the fans were. Though. They did look nice for the fans behind the goal. They had nice views. Some of them just stood at the front against the barrier, which is lovely. Yeah. Um, yeah. They had a lovely view of that chance at the end. Um, yeah, but Cook, he was just... I don't know what it is about him because he, he's not the most cultured footballer. He never was when he was with us, but he's got something about him. His ability to just bundle through and use his strength. And, and he's not... He's not quick, but he's not slow either, if you know what I mean. He's not yeah, like he's yeah. running through treacle. When he gets a bit ahead of his steam, he's got the power to go with it. And there was one chance in particular where he did really well. And actually, um, Barkley had to come across to cover him, I think, from a long ball. And he managed to get past Barkley. And Barkley did the right thing and not bringing him down. He just didn't. He's like, you get away. And someone else came across. And Feeney got the blocking in the end on that one. So that was a you know, good chance for them. The biggest one, though, is the, um, again, another one that sort of bundled in. I think Gilead got the ball to him and he hit a low shot and it flicked up off Feeney. And the second it flicked up from the view we had, and it would be a similar view for you on the TV, it was kind of feeling, like, oh, shit, this is going to loop in, isn't it? Luck would have it. It came back off the bar. <laughs> so that was a bit of heart in the mouths moment there in terms of that. There was a couple more. I mean, there was one where he had a shot saved by Hurley's legs and there was another one for... Um, uh, Vidane Oliver who headed over the bar I mean he, every time I see him he's dreadful one of yeah. Keith Curl's long term targets wasn't he for us yeah yeah. Uh, and then uh, Banks who's on loan from Crystal Palace had a shot that was deflected nicely into Holy Sands and then the chance at the end Dan oh my god how uh, close was that I mean it, uh, it, it's one of those ones where full credit to um, Jordan Gibson he was switched on at that point and I think it was 
it was Gilead gone off at that point. I can't remember. So anyway, someone in midfield for them just totally switched off. Gibson got to the loose ball after Moxon had sort of battled to try and win it on the edge of the box, took a touch and hit it with his weaker left foot. And what a hit it was. Low, past the keeper. Keeper's dived past it, basically. He, he, the ball had gone past him by the time he dives. And just a, maybe an inch, half an inch the other way, it flicks off the post and goes in, doesn't it? As it is, it hits the post and comes out. And and that was pretty much the last chance of the game, wasn't it? <sighs> yeah, it was smoke. The whistle went about 30 seconds or so later, didn't it? I think it Not was. even that, it'd be about 10 seconds if that Yeah, maybe. yeah. It was just... But oh. uh, it, would, it would have been a nice a nice end. Cause four, I, th- I think yeah, I mentioned that four points of the two game would be brilliant last yeah. week. Yeah, And we ended up with two, but it could yeah. have been a lot worse. You yeah. know? The key thing is that the, the, those teams who were around us didn't gain anything on us, basically. As yeah, yeah like that, that's exactly well. what I said at full time on Twitter. Exactly, you know? that's per- perfect in terms of that. And... I tell you what, if that Gibson chance had gone in, because he got some abuse when he came on. I mean, Patrick got a few boos, but nothing compared against the boos. They don't, they don't like old Jordan, do they? Well, they don't like him and his dad, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, but it, yeah. it was funny. I, I, I was saying to a mate when we were walking back to town and we got back to the cars, it was about half an hour after the final. I also said, tell you what, if that Gibson chance had gone in, he'd still be doing laps of the pitch now with his top off, I think. Because <laughs> he would have. He was so desperate for that to go in. He, yeah. he was on, it, on the floor, absolutely gutted it didn't go in, but... Yeah, I, 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 think, I, I think as well from the two games, you've got to give uh, you you've got to give credit to Stevenage and Bradford because yeah. they've both stopped the division's top scorers. Yeah, they've, they've, yeah, fair play. You know, they've 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 made it much more difficult for us to create chances. One hundred percent, especially in that game against um, Bradford. You know, we we were really good in terms of you know our pressing and everything, but. Actually, in terms of the clear-cut chances we had, there wasn't that many, and it was yeah, it was similar for Bradford. They only really had maybe one or two, and yeah, just just a bit frustrating, really. I mean, the only other chance we really had in the second half was um, the Moxon free kick after that great run by Guy, where he should have either laid it off or hit the shot a bit early, in my opinion. But I'm being picky there. Um, I, I just wish we practiced direct free kick because we've looked appalling. Other than Devitt's free kick against Harrogate, we've looked appalling on them all season, haven't we? It's just, just never looking yeah. like we're going to score from one. So it's a real shit. It's the one area where we're weak, actually, which is, you know, tells you what you need to know really about how well we've yeah. done the season. Um, no six second review for this one, but let's talk about some general talk moments. I mean, I thought it was a great advert for League Two, this game. I, I really, really did. I thought it was really, yeah, really good. Yeah, um, we, we keep mentioning their commentators. They actually sort of said, you know, this is two teams scrapping, going for it. Mm. And it no surprise that we're both in the mix, you know. Yeah. Um let, let, let's give a mention to uh Ben Barkley first. Coming in from the cold again into the lineup and slotting like he's been there for weeks. I, I genuinely think he's a real serious good player. It's he's never got going this season, you know, no. because of his injuries and knocks. But I thought he did all right. I mean you thought he was our best defender. I thought it was Feeney with him not far behind. But I think, yeah. again, you know, I've, I've just said the two opponents have stopped us scoring. Yeah. We've also stopped them scoring. Yeah. And Cook. Thomas Hawley's clean sheet count is building. Yeah. I mean, with, with Barkley, the thing that, like I said, impresses me is that he comes in and he, he doesn't look like he's been out of the team for a while. He, he looks like he, he's been playing there for weeks. And there were, yeah, it was a couple of moments, maybe second half. And fair play to him, he took a brilliant booking. When their lab was clean away, you know the easiest thing there would be just let him go. But he's like, you know what? I'm taking a book, and he judged it perfectly because 
Guy was coming across the cover. There was no way that we, he was last man or, you know, was through on goal, denying a goal score opportunity. He was perfectly timed in terms of that. Um, but yeah, it was his use of the ball. He's lofted balls into the box. It would cause some real problems. He, 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 yeah, there's not a case of him just hoofing it. He really puts something on it, doesn't he? And I, I, It's frustrating with all of his injuries. And he's obviously going to be on a big wage at Stockport. You know what? In the summer, I'd probably be tempted to try and get him permanently. I genuinely uh, think if you, if you can get him fit and going, I think he'd be a really good player at League One level. I think with Barkley, it may come down to a choice between him and Whelan. I think, I think at League One level, I'd probably be more tempted to go for, for Barkley. And that, that's not a criticism of Whelan. It, 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 it's a tough choice. But it may well be that Simo decides to go for Neva and, and freshens it up a little bit next season. Well, you you, you've also got to bring uh, Jack Ellis into the equation. Yeah, I mean, at the moment, he's a right wing back, isn't he? But Yeah, but well, he, he is more a central defender officially, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, but there you go. Um, I've got a point about Moxie, but I think we'll talk about it in the preview section that. Um, just to wrap it up. Thomas Holy now is on 16 clean sheets. So now officially the best keeper since Kieran Westwood, statistically, uh, overtaken Paul Farman. So fantastic achievement. And what, with, with nine games still to go, he only needs two more to draw level with, with Westwood. So, and I think there's there's one better. Maybe Dave McKellar might be better than him, possibly, or someone like that. I know that uh, John Coleman's done an article recently on it. I know John listens to the pod, so maybe he might be able to tweet us and tell us who, who exactly in terms of an individual goalkeeper keeping clean sheets has the best record. But he's closing in on it. And, you know, for all the criticism he gets, he's so, he was so commanding in terms of crossing and everything again at the weekend. I've, I've noticed the last two or three games, he's come for crosses a lot more. Yeah. I don't know whether that's just because he's been more put in, mm. but he's... he's and, when you see him coming, you, you don't worry. Yeah, hundred percent. It's that bloody tall, you know. It's, exactly. It, there's, there's not many players on a pitch. You know, he's got at least three or four on most, three or four inches on most players. Yeah, yeah. Um, before we do a quickly to round up, Dan, uh, um, a shout out to Jack Robinson, who's become the eighth different player to play at right wing back for us this season. Um, if you want the full list, everyone, that is uh, Finn back. Um, Joel Senior, uh, Jack Ellis, um, Ben Barkley, uh, da, 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 who else? Corey Whelan, Jordan Gibson, uh, oh, Jaden Harris, and Jack Robinson. If you're going to include right backs as well, then you can also include Morgan Feeney and um, Jack, uh, Owen Moxon. So that would be 10 different players who've played either right back or right wing back for us this season. Talking of those players, one little bit of news mm. we did miss out. Finn Back put a tweet out last night saying one week to go and a picture of him in a Carlisle strip. Yeah, so it sounds like he's coming back for the end of the month. I mean, that's great, isn't it? And you think about, you know, you've got Taylor Charles back in a couple of weeks as well. Jack Ellis is probably going to be back for either this weekend or maybe the weekend after. God, we've got some options coming into the team, haven't we? It's fantastic, really, for this running. Exactly what we need. Um, right, quickly to round up before we get onto the preview section, Dan. Um, Orient continuing to stutter towards promotion, really, aren't they? They're just sort of keeping just enough distance from ourselves and Stevenage and Northampton, but you know, they could be in danger of getting reined in if they're not careful. Uh, 2-2 draw against Colchester United at home. Um, Northampton, they did take advantage of United's draw with Stevenage to temporarily jump into third place. At the weekend, they beat Crew 1-0. I mean, Crew is the perfect game for any team in this final running, isn't it, really? 
I just, yeah. it, uh, with the exception of that game against Salford, it just feels like such a gimme for anyone. You know, yeah, if you want three points, uh, here you go. You're playing crew, which kind of makes you I'm annoying. Just, we've already played them. <laughs> I'm just looking at audience games. The last two are Stockport at home and Bradford yeah. away. And they've still got to fit in a game against Mansfield as well, in there as well. And Mansfield is, are scrapping for placing... That is on the 25th of April, yeah. the last midweek, because you don't like using the last week no, for a midweek just game. just in case. Just in, in case. Just in case, yeah. 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 So basically, their final three games are Mansfield, Stockport and uh, Bradford. So, yeah. you know, that, that's, for them... That's, I, Mans, that's Mansfield's last game in hand. There's yeah. only three, four, five, six, seven, eight. There's... Eight, uh, four games. Yeah, odd um, in the league. Yeah, and Manfield are going to be scrapping, aren't they, for a, a place in the playoffs at that point? Yeah, so because Gr- Grimsby have two in hand because of the cup exploits. Yeah, so I mean, you'd hope Orient are probably be looking, thinking, we hope we get it wrapped up before these final three games. But mm. hey ho, um, yeah. In terms of the other games, uh, speaking of Manfield, they um drew one-one uh, uh, Edgeley Park against Stockport County. They got a, a injury. They also drew nil-nil last night against Grimsby. They did, yes, which is a nice little help one that one. It just keeps them out of touch, really, of the top three, yeah, isn't it? So yeah. that, that's good to see. Uh, Bradford drew two-two with Hartlepool. Um, Salford saw if Doncaster three-one at home, uh, and Barrow's slim hopes for the playoffs pretty much evaporated now, aren't they? By the looks of things, that they've. Lost 1-0 to Harrogate. I mean, they're still in touch just about, but it's going to take a... The problem is, when if, if, if you look at them, you look at the teams that are in the top seven, the teams in the top seven are all the, the top point takers since the top turn of the year. So it's, you need I'm, a I've got the table up here. I think Sutton is probably the last realistic for your likes of Barrow, Swindon or Donny to get in. They're going to need one of them runs. Yeah. Which yeah. isn't impossible, you know. Yeah. There often is a team comes flying, but you're gonna you're gonna it need would be a surprise. You're gonna need at least one of Mansfield, Salford, Stockport, and Bradford dropping off massively. And I, yeah, yeah Mansfield's yeah. form's dropped a little bit, but I can't see that happening. I just can't see it happening. No, and, yeah. and Barrow have not helped themselves this week because they've uh, they've sold one of their top players, Billy Waters. Mm. It's gone to Wrexham. For an undisclosed feature. I mean, well, the, that, that's Wrexham who signed Ben Foster today. Just, yeah, totally so any there. notion of a fairy tale, get in the sea. Exactly, exactly that. Right, let's take a short break and then we'll be back to preview the Gillingham game. Hi, I'm John Halpin and you're listening to the Brunton Bugle. Okay, into the second half of the show, bit of Halpy there for you. Halpy, you opened, opened up his bar on the stand last weekend, didn't he, Dan? Yeah. Nice some of the bars have been officially named. Uh, there's Halpies, Rosses, and Hoppers, I think it is. It's the three. Mm. Yeah, I think that they're, they're, they're three, possibly. I, I don't know if the Hoppers one been done yet. I thought oh, that's coming up soon, possibly, I think. but I think the signage is probably in place because yeah. it's, uh, you know, it's all, all being done at once. Yeah, brilliant stuff. Um, right, well, let's get into the preview section. Um, we haven't got a behind-enemy-line section this weekend. That's not because Gillingham haven't got any fans like the likes of Salford and Harrogate. It's because we, we try to arrange a uh, a catch-up with um, with the guys from uh, uh, Gills in the Blood. Sorry, Gills in the Blood. Gillingham, isn't it? Gills in the Blood. Um, 
But unfortunately, all the times <laughs> that either of us were available, the other person wasn't. So we haven't been able to do something. But I'd go and check out their channel because I'm sure they'll do a preview for the game. And and uh, yeah, it's, it's really worth um because we had a really good chat with them actually in, uh, at the start of the season. And I seem to remember we talked about the fact that, you know, we felt they might struggle a bit and they were like mm, cautiously optimistic. Proved to be a little bit wrong, didn't it? I guess, but there you go. Um, right, Mike has done us a question for this week, Dan. So uh, would you like to see it? Or hear it? Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> right, here's the question of the week. In October 2006, we played Gillingham away and lost 2-0 in what proved to be the only game that we played in the rehashed deck chair shirt. Now, there were six players that played for us that day that went on or had previously played in the Premier League. Who are they? This sounds... I'm sure we've had a slightly similar... I've heard this somewhere before. We, no, we had a very similar question to this recently for a different game, for a different against a yeah. different team. So, Kieran Westwood's the obvious one to start with, isn't it? Yeah. He played in the, in the Premier League. Michael Peters uh, had left by then, so it won't, it won't be him. Um, did David, David Raven, Raven never played? Did, I, can't, I can't think if he played a he played one. No, he's, he's played one game for Liverpool. So, David Raven right. would be one of them. He must have come on as a sub or something, did he, I guess? Yeah, possibly. Um... Danny Graham, would he have played in this one, maybe? I think he did. Ooh. I feel like it might have been second half of the season. Ooh. Danny Graham seems an obvious one. I'm trying to think of players we had in 2006. So he said six, was it, had played it against them? Yeah. Is it not about that? Was it not that season we had Beckford? Did Beckford play in that game? You might. Oh no, did Beckford play in the home game against Gillingham that season? I think he played. In the, I feel like he played in the home. No, I'm sure Beckford was all six or seven season. So we go. We'll I, go with Beckford, I, I, yeah. I only know this because for some reason, you know, when you go down the wormhole on Wikipedia, yeah, I was looking at him for some reason on Wikipedia. Yeah. Uh. Ooh, it's a good one. It's tougher than you think, isn't it? This one. Um, oh, there must be a midfield. You had someone we had on loan, maybe that season. Did Neil McDermott play? Oh, did, did Chris Lumberton play in the Premier League? I was just going to say, Lumby. Lumby seems an obvious one. We never really think yeah. of it, do we? So let's say. So let's go. We got Westwood, Raven, Lumsden, Beckford. Beckford and Graham were at the same time, were they? So it, it's either Beckford or Graham. That's the thing. It's going to annoy us. I think. Um, Lummy has because I I can remember him mentioning yeah he made his Premier League debut was it at Chelsea and they got yes, hammered yeah 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 you're right Fair I'm sure I've heard him mention that before right, okay so that's 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 four of them who else would you have on that season in, in the Premier League um was Adam Murray still with us then I feel like he played for Derby in the Premier League possibly let's go with Adam Murray at the moment because that's we're struggling a bit there's one that's going to annoy me. And we can't think who it is at the moment. There's going to be some short-term signing or loaning. Yeah. Well, should we get? Should we go with those ones we've got, and we'll go with the answer because we're, we're going to be here all day. Yeah, otherwise. Yeah. Right. So they're the ones we've got. So let's see what the answer is to this one. It's a good question. And they are Kieran Westwood, David Raven, Paul Thurwell, Chris <sighs> Lumsden, Kevin Harper, and Jermaine Harper. Beckford. 
Harper. I knew there'd be one awkward one. See, I was trying to work out whether he would... The problem was, this was back in the day when you had the short-term loans. See, it, yeah. it's much harder to judge if a player is there at that, that point or not, isn't it? So, ah, oh, and Farewell as well. Ah, oh, that's annoying. I, I was thinking Adam Murray when, was Farewell, I should have thought of. Was Harper at Portsmouth, I think. Or oh, was it Stoke, maybe? He might have been when he was Stoke, playing with Stoke in the Premier yeah, League. Yeah. He definitely, yeah. But obviously, um, he, he, we mentioned him last season, didn't we, when he was managing that team in Scotland. There was a big scandal about it. He got sacked, didn't he, or something? I can't remember. Yeah. This, anyway. I've got a quick question for you then, Dan, just just to add a, a, bit, a little bonus one in. Someone on the message board pointed out the fact that uh, the last time we scored a league goal at Gillingham was in uh, n- December 1995. So last time we won at Gillingham in a league game against Gillingham, I should point out, before I need a smart-ass reply, we did beat Brighton there in... Um, in was it December? I was it early nineteen ninety nine? I think possibly January nineteen ninety nine. Yeah. Anyway, it was a ninety eight ninety nine season. We did win at Gillingham, playing against Brighton. But in terms of playing Gillingham, the last time we won there was in December nineteen ninety four, a one nil win. Who scored United's goal that day? Well, this was a midday kickoff because mm. it was New Year's Eve, and I went. We yeah. got the sleeper train down from London. Into London for seven AM. We're in Gillingham about ten AM. Sun all to do in Gillingham at ten AM on a <laughs> on the morning, and we won one nil. And it was Dean Wallin. There you go. You got it right. Bang on, Dean yeah. Wallin. Yeah. The goal scorers when we beat the Brighton there was um, Steve Finney, Scott Doby, and an unbelievable free kick from Scott Patterson. Yeah, yeah. I was there that day as well. Brilliant goal, that one wasn't really. There you go. Yeah. Right, let's get on to it then, Dan. Let's talk about the Gilliam game. So, yeah, we're playing Gilliam away this weekend. Should note for anyone who can't travel down, this game will be available to buy on the iFollow because it's an international weekend, so the clubs are allowed to put it on. I'm presuming it will be anyway because I'm sure Gilliam will want to make money from the many Carla fans who are not going to be able to make the long, long, long journey down to Kent. For the I game. did see we've sold over 350 already. Great effort, that really. So it would be a surprise if it gets to between four and five hundred. I mean that's incredible. I mean considering as well. I mean there's still engineering works isn't on the trains as well. So getting yeah. down's a real pain at the moment. I know that because I've been looking at some yeah. of the games recently. And, and also just while there. we're on tickets, we got six hundred for Orient. We've sold five hundred thirty-one, and we've got another three hundred. So we've got nine hundred now. And there's been some good news on that, hasn't there, for that weekend? Yes and no. Yes. The train train strikes are off, but the last two direct from Houston are canned at Preston for mm. engineering works that are long planned. Yeah. But you can get back via Newcastle if you get to King's Cross for the six o'clock. Which which is easy to do to be fair, because it's literally to um you just get down and don't you get in fact you'll know better on the tube from me. How how would you get from Orient to uh, King's Cross? Uh, Orient Central Line to Liverpool Street, up the escalator, then onto the Met, Hammersmith and City or Circle Line to yeah. King's Cross. It okay. was my old commute for a few months. There you go. So there you go. That, that, that's how you get to King's Cross. And then, like I said, it's there on the the East Coast Line up to Newcastle and you should get back in time for the last train. You, you, should, you should be at King's Cross by half five. Brilliant stuff. So if you, if you want to do it by train, that's the way to do it. Or alternative, I mean, you can go via Preston, but I think there's a, re- is it a replacement bus from Preston? It's a bus from Preston. After, if you get the, the half six, 
when you get to a Preston, you're, uh, you're at the mercy of a bus. Are you sometimes lucky if you do that, that they might put a bus that goes direct to Carlisle and doesn't stop Possible, everywhere? yeah, possible. Not, not not always. I've done it before. No, it's not no, fun no. going, because it has to go all the way to Lancaster, and the worst one of the lot is... It's Oxenholm. Oxenholm kills it, because it takes so long to yeah. get there. Yeah. Penrith's easy. It's straight there, isn't it? But there you go. Yeah, yeah. Um, right, so that's uh, in terms of... Uh, those upcoming ones. Referee for this weekend's game, James Bell from Sheffield. It's his third season as an EFL referee and he's already refereeing at championship level. So he's, he's someone I'd imagine you'll probably see at Premier League level in the next two or three years, won't you really? They, they tend to fast track the very good ones to the top, don't they? Um, should be noted though, he's only taken charge of 12 games so far this season. There's a big gap in there. So I think he might have been injured for a few months possibly. Um... Handed out 46 yellow cards, sorry, yellows, and uh, three red cards so far this season. Last season, he ended out 118 yellow and three red cards in 37 games. The last United game he took charge of was the 2-1 win at home to Northampton last March, which you may remember, Dan, was the game where Fraser Horsfall just lost his head, didn't he? And um, yeah. decided he was going to punch the ball out of the air in the last minute for no reason. Baffling decision that was, wasn't it? Really, but there you go. I've, from memory, he was a good ref in that game. You know, I think he generally let the game flow, and it was pretty decent. But then again, we we, we won, so obviously I'm not going to think anything particularly bad of him, are we? So there you go. Head to head record: 52nd meeting between the two sides. United have won 19. 11 have been a draw, and the Gills have um, or Gills, sorry, have won. Tw- I keep saying Gills, Gills rather than Gills. Uh, they've won 21. Um, Looking at their squad, I mean, it's a season of two halves for them, Dan, isn't it? it, it it's it's very fair to, to describe it as that, isn't it? In terms of first half of the season, could not score for Toffee. Appalling record. They've made a lot of moves in January to improve their squad, and it's made a difference, hasn't it? Yeah, definitely. Uh, they've been a hell of a better team. You know, literally, the season of two halves couldn't mm. be more... more apt for drilling them, you know, they're well out of it now, pretty much, you know, and they won't have any trouble, you know. They're... Yeah, they're 10 points clear of Hartlepool now, so they, I mean, they could still get dragged in, but it's going to, I mean, it's going to take a ridiculous run yeah. from, you know, the four teams below them to overhaul them, basically, and yeah. they've done enough to drag themselves away, and I, I, I honestly think, to be honest, 41 points might be enough to keep them up. To be honest, yeah. I don't, I, they might not even get overhauled on that. Um, looking through their January transfer business, some, some good signings in there, isn't there? I think it's fair to say. They've, they've strengthened themselves to the point where next season, with a few more additions, they could be a really good side, couldn't they? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just looking at the squad here. Uh, shout out to Max Amer, the yeah. ex-Carlisle man. But, you know, Glenn Morris in goal. S- stacks of experience. Yeah. Max Amer and Timothy Dieng, stacks of experience. Mm. You know, there's... Tom Nichols up the, front is a stand Yeah, stand Tom Nichols, in yeah. He's you know, we, even, we, even George Lapsley, who came mm. in from Mansfield, you know, I mean, he, he knows what it's about. Big shout to Tristan Abrams, sitting warm in the bench most weeks. I mean, how how on earth they've... He's got himself back into the football league. I'll never know. Famous last words, these. I know 100% he'll end up scoring against the weekend. Now I said this, but, but it, it's what, interesting. What, what, I, what I do like, sorry, is Aidan O'Brien, who was at Millwall for a few yeah, years. Yeah, that, that's a bit, of a, say, bit yeah. of a legend at Millwall, isn't he? I was going to say, yeah, he, he saw, he's a name that straight away when I saw it. I was like, oh, 
I didn't realize he'd come down to this level. Fair, that's, yeah. that's a decent signing. But yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you look at the January signings. That, that's the thing. Tom Nichols from Crawley. Big controversy over that, wasn't it? At Crawley's end, you know, letting a player as good as him go to a relegation yeah. rival, and he's made a difference. He's chipped in with goals and assists already. Um, he's a player. I'd, genuinely, I, I wouldn't. I he never would have moved this far enough. I wouldn't have minded seeing him at Carlisle. I think he's got that much quality. Um, yeah, from the rest of them, De Jong as well. I got one promotion last season with Exeter City. Obviously, maybe not quite worked out for him in League One, but a great signing at this level. Um, Gillingham have a whiff of Stevenage about them from last season. Yeah, but they're in sort that, of getting their if, signings done now, really, aren't they? Rather yeah, than... if if they keep a lot of these together, they could do all right next season. They've got a really good defensive record, but I look at that defence and it doesn't... I mean, they've only got, based on what Transfer Mark tell you, seven defenders on the books. I mean, I don't... That Conor Masterson supposedly done really well on loan from QPR and Eamon, you know, we know what he's like, he's a good player. And yet they've got a really good defensive record. So maybe I suppose they've been lucky in terms of maybe keeping players fit in defence, I don't know. Yeah, but yeah, I would suggest that, yeah. It's, it's a strange one, isn't it? Um... George Lapsey, you've mentioned already. Yeah, great signing. I think he's a really good player. Ollie Hawkins, good target man. Can play in defence as well when you need to. So I suppose maybe he's filled in at centre-back a couple of times. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, when you look through it, the signings of the main January, you look at the squad now, it's, it's a good, solid squad. You can see why they struggled early on because they didn't have any quality at all in attack, did they, really, in January? I think Mikel Mandron's left them to go to Motherwell. Scottish League's weird, isn't it? They sign players from League Two all the time, and they seem to do quite well yeah. in the Scottish League. But yeah. very, very odd in that sense. Um, but yeah, it, 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 the only other name that stood out for me was Ollie Lee. He had to retire recently, didn't he? Due to an ongoing injury issue, and he's a, he's a good player. I and mean, I think they yeah. better yeah. of him. So it's a shame that didn't work out. Yeah. But yeah, just looking overall, um, it's it, it's notable that I mentioned the fact that they didn't score many goals. Seven goals in the first half of the season. Yeah. I mean, that must that's... have been a hard watch. I mean, I remember they, they finally scored a goal, I think it was against Sutton, and their fans were going mad, and then a minute later, I think they conceded or something like that. It was just <laughs> yeah. ridiculous. Like, oh, come on. Give us, give us a moment. Obviously, the next 14 games, they scored 18 goals to take the tally to 25, which is still comfortably the worst in the division, and a long way off United's 58. You know, yeah. that's a real stark contrast. Defensively, they're fairly sound. I think they've, they've got the second best record, or third best record in the bottom half. And they've actually conceded less goals than Salford. 40 goals compared to Salford's 42. So, you know, they, they, they clearly got a good, sound defensive base to work with. But just, just you know, it's just been a bit of a struggle, isn't it? And I think that the, the takeover take, taking a while to come through as well affected them. They had the takeover just before the January transfer venue, I think it was, and that's hence why they've been able to bring in these players and finally improve the squad. And I think there's a bit more of a feel, good feel about the club at the moment. Maybe, maybe they'll even get rid of that temporary stand behind the goal. Or am I being too ambitious? No, no, no. How long has that been there, right? Because I, oh, I, yes. I feel like 98, I feel like, was it there for that game when Patterson scored the free kick or was, was it after that it came in? It was after because we were still on the corner. Yeah. Used the away end used to be like a corner. Yes, I don't know what you mean. No, yeah, tennis, right. and that was still there then. So I think it was just after then. Early noughties. It's been there for at least 20, 22 when, years. When we played Brighton there, it was still tennising. Yeah. 
So that was early '99, so I think. So yeah, yeah you need to look for when that main stand was rebuilt, and that'll that'll be the answer. Yeah, you you'd be right there. Yeah. it's at least twenty years, which is frankly astonishing. I've I've got a new feature to when we talk about Gillingham yeah. that'll take a two minutes. Go Dan's on. history corner. Go on, and we're going back to the '63 '64 season. Uh, we got our first ever promotion out the newly formed fourth division in '61 '62. Mm. And we came straight back down in 62-63. But then we went. We then had two promotions in the row. The first of them was in 63-64, where we finished second, Huey McElmoyle scoring 39 goals. And the league table, the team that won the league, was Gillingham. Mm. And do you know what they won the league on? Was it head-to-head? Or oh, was it average points? Oh, I can't, I can't Goal it average. Goal average. They averaged 1.967 and we averaged 1.948 and that is what they won the league on. But if you look... Because it was still two points for the win then. If you look, I'm just looking at the table now, I've got the book out here. Workington finished third that season actually, one point behind us. We scored 113 goals in 46 games, conceded 58 and like I said, we still finished second, we didn't win the title. Absolutely. If if it had went on three points, we'd have won the league. Yeah. But, yeah. And it was, I have to give a shout out to Ian the Beast and Steward for <laughs> mentioning this when yeah. the Gillingham at Home preview came out. He said, you'll have to put that in the next one about it. So, yeah. I remembered, mate. <laughs> thank, thank you very much for that one. I really appreciate that stat, Dan. It's, uh, it's a great show, isn't it? Uh, ex-players are involved. Um, two in the... Uh, Former Blues in the Gillingham squad. You mentioned Max Aimer and Tristan Abrahams. I mean, interesting with Abrahams. I was I was having a look. I like, I like to have a little look on the opposition forums and stuff like that about the things. And they were talking about what teams should they play for Carl. And they were saying like they hope they don't do what they did at Stockport, which is basically they played five five zero and just got men behind the ball and, and battled it out for a point. And they're like, we hope we don't do that at home against Carl. I doubt they'll do to. that at home. I'd, I'd be possibly really disappointed. Not. But from what they said, like they they they're likely to try and keep it as tight as possible because they know how good we are. Um, yeah. One thing they suggested, which is which is a nod to us, to be fair. Yeah, yeah it is. And they mentioned, oh, well, maybe we can play Tristan Abrams and use his pace and get him in behind. Whatever. I was thinking, is this the, is this a different Tristan Abrams to the one that we watched for twelve months? <laughs> yeah. Believe me, though, I mean, he was, he was okay on the ball, but he certainly didn't have blinding pace to get away from anyone. But maybe we'll be proved wrong on that one. I don't know. Uh, two former Jills in the United squad: uh, Thomas Hurley and Brennan Dickinson. We're both there. Brendan Dickinson obviously back on the uh, the grass training at the moment, which is nice to see. Um, yeah, last time out, Gillingham, they, they got a 2-1 win over Shock Horror, Crew Alexandra. I mean, genuine. I keep saying this, it's just ridiculous how easy it is for teams to come against Crew at the moment. It really annoys me, but the fact that we played them back in December, so we're not getting the advantage of it now. But there you go. Um, yeah, 2-1 win. Goals came in the second half. Good, good result for them. Um, looking at... Uh, the form table, they're currently 13th in the last six games form table. Record of loss, drawn, drawn, one, loss, one. United are first with a record of one, 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 drawn, drawn at the moment. So there you go. Uh, on to talking about United then, Dan, for this one. First, before we talk, talk we're going to have a little quick chat about the, the last nine fixtures as well. Um, is it time for a bit of a freshen up here? I think, because some of the players maybe need rest. I'm going to pick one out here. 
and people may disagree, they may feel this controversial. I thought the second half against Bradford was probably the poorest half Owen Moxon has had. Still created chances, to be fair. Still, still involved in stuff. But there was a few times where he just he sort of stopped and watched and was waiting for someone else to come to the ball when he had the chance to take control of it. And I felt we've got a big running coming up. And this is not saying that Gillingham was an easy game because it's not. But is this maybe the perfect game to rest him ahead of the Orient game and then the, the games over the Easter weekend? I'd be half tempted to put him on the bench for this one, just just to give him a, if, a rest. If you rest Moxon, you're losing a set piece. So that, set that, piece that, that's where I was going to say, do you maybe bring in Jamie Devitt to start that game then? And then have Devitt, uh, Moxon to come on later on when Devitt you know, obviously probably can't do the full 90 I minutes. don't think it would happen. I can see your reasoning, yeah. but I don't think it will happen. No. Uh, I think the major... Is senior got subbed, but apparently it was just yeah a tightness thing because yeah. two games in quick succession. Uh, it's up front where the decisions will be made. Yeah, I uh, I would be inclined not to start Patrick because he's just not firing at the moment. Yeah, I, I I kind of feel for him because I, as much as he's not firing, we're not really making good use of his assets, of his pace to get in behind and things yeah. like that, is he? We're, yeah. we're, we're, teams are keeping it very tight and not giving us any space behind to, to sort of get him in, running in. Yeah. Which is why I'd, I think I'd agree with you. I think if I was going to do anything this one, I'd... Go on. What you I, think, I think his game suits an away game better than a home game. Yeah. When we're more likely to be on the break. Yeah, but against Gillingham, it's going to be... A, I think Orient might be the perfect game for him, actually. Because you yeah, can imagine they're yeah. going to have a little bit of a go at us. Whereas Gillingham are more likely to sit in a little bit. So I'd probably drop Edmonton again for this one. I don't think he's done anything particularly wrong, but he looked a bit tired the second half and he's coming back having been out for three months. And I'd put J.K. Gordon back in. I'm just feeling like he's going to be fresh. He's going to have a bit of a point to prove. I think this might be a good game for him and maybe Dennis to play up front at the start. See, you can make... You can make valid reasons for any combination of yeah. the five forwards we have been. Yeah, which is nice, which is nice. You know what I mean? I just... we, we, all know, we all know what Joe Garner does. Yeah. Edmondson's showing what he can do. Patrick and Gordon, we know what he can do. Dennis has the six-yard knack. Yeah. You, you, you literally could yeah. make a case for any combination. We've, we've... I, I, I think the, the one that may happen would be possibly Gibson for McAlman's. Maybe. Although McCallman had a but great I, game against I, Bradford. I, I think McCallman's worthy of his place at the moment, I think. I thought, I thought he wasn't quite up to it against Stevenage. I think he was quite the same level. But against Bradford, I thought he was excellent. So it'd be yeah. difficult to drop it after and he, that. he leads the press well as well, doesn't he? Yeah, he does indeed. Um, oh, yeah. he sounds so professional. Oh, he leads the press well. Exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, in terms of the attack, I know it's a dangerous game to play, but we've got to have one eye on that Orient game, surely. And and it's not being arrogant in the slightest way, yeah, but Orient's going to be tougher than Gillingham because they're yeah. a better team. And we've got very good resources in attack, so we can afford to switch things around and bring players in. My looking ahead, I'd be thinking, I wouldn't start Garner and Patrick because I'd be looking at thinking, I want to start them in that game. I mm. want to really get get at them at the start with those two. That that That's just my line of thought. So I might have a completely different one to what we have, but, but there you go. Um, before we do match predictions, Dan, let, let's have a quick look at the, those final nine fixtures now. Then, um, if you, 
it's weird because you can't really take them in three games blocks because we've got that Easter weekend almost, haven't we? We've almost got two two-game blocks and then a three-game block and then a, your final two, haven't you, Reed? It's a weird one. Yeah, yeah. And look, we've got two long away trips coming up, both down yeah. to the southeast. Contrasting teams. Gilligan previewed look and think... A while back, I'd be thinking that's a really tough game, but actually, they've dropped off a little bit the last six games, and yeah, they got the result against Crew. But actually, if you look at the other games, I think they only scored two goals in the other five games. So, got to go there with a bit of confidence, thinking we can get a free. If we get three points for that, you think brilliant. Seven, what, seven games unbeaten, keeping it going, and you go into that Orient game, you have a real good go at them. Basically, yeah. you know, you think so. Let, 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 let's not leave anything on the table here, um, and then it brings you on to the. Easter weekend. The Easter weekend, and I just feel like we've got to go for six points on those games. You've got, you've got to be looking at at least four, but six. Yeah. You know, you've said if, before, you got, you... if you got four points from Tramier at home and Walsall away, I'd be happy. Yeah. But I certainly think it's a chance of six points. Yeah, I kind of feel. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And you, you've mentioned this before to me on WhatsApp. You were saying like you really think we could get take fifteen hundred. 2000 to Walsall potentially if we're, if we're yeah, flying yeah. and we're really going for potentially even if, going if, up we, the if top. we've got a positive result at Orient whether it's a win or a draw and we beat Tranmere with a big crowd we yeah. could take you know it's, it's, it's Easter Monday what else are you doing on Easter Monday exactly that, M, that M6 could be very very busy yeah because sadly the trains are knackered aren't they basically we yeah he's five Easter trains. engineering yeah not really worth it is it um, yeah it's uh, buses to Lancaster so and then, I mean, of the remaining games, that North that Northampton one looks massive, doesn't it? I give a yeah. little shout out to John McGee because he, he he did say to me on, on a message, and I think he's right on this. He said, "Win four of our remaining games, and as long as one of those wins is against Northampton, we finish in the top three. And I think I'd agree with that. On that, actually, I think that basically puts us in the position because we were not going to lose the remaining five. We get a couple of points here and there from them. I think four wins." And as long as well, one of them's against win, you win the four home games, and there's your four wins. Yeah, exactly. A lot of averages, you've got to pick up one on the road, surely. Barrow, surely. Um, <laughs> um, as I keep telling you, promoted at Barrow, oh, champions at Sutton. Winning promotion at Barrow would be lovely, wouldn't it? It really would be, but there you go. Um, of the remaining games, the one that really stands out to me is the real tough one is Stockport at home. Because I can't, I can't decide what to make of them. I just feel like... They're get, that that that's one game where you can guarantee they're going to bring fifteen hundred up for that, aren't they? I know it's midweek, but they will bring a big following up for that because they're really well supported this season. And I just I feel like that's a real humdinger of a game, and that could at that point I almost look at that one and think that a point would be a great result from that game if we've got a good result against Northampton. Well, you're talking Northampton and Stockport mm. as a three with Barrow. If you got seven points from them three games, you're laughing. Yeah. Plus, you got five. I think I'd be quite happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that'd be a great result as well. But And then, obviously, brings you to the last couple of games. I, I feel like Salford at home, they're not going to bring a big following whether they're going for playoffs or not. A lot, a, lot a, with, a lot with Sutton will depend if they're still battling for a playoff place or not. Yeah. <sighs> it's exciting, isn't it? It's, really, yeah. it's genuinely really exciting because like you think previous seasons where we've been like we've dropped off and you're kind of like scrabbling to get yourselves in that player yeah, position yeah. we're now there to be shot at and it's like oh we, we've we've just got to and the hopeless, hopeless optimist in me looks at things we can get out of those nine games with one defeat and the Stockport game is the one that just stands out to me I don't know why I just I've just got a bad feeling about it but 
the rest, I think we can go and orient and get something. I really do, because I think that they've, you know, the Colchester have gone there and got a 2-2 draw. So why can't we? You know? Hey-ho, that's the way it is. Right, match predictions, Dan, what are you going for for, for the Gillingham game? I'm going to go for a 2-1 win. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go for Jorgan. Both of them? And, no, no. Morgan Feeney. Morgan Feeney, okay, right. Uh, I'm going to go for a... I think we're going to bounce back having had two games where we've um, not scored. I think it'll be a good game. I can see I it being a good game. game this. Yeah. And I... Sod it, 3-0. I'm going to go for 3-0. I know they've had a really good defensive record, but I feel like we'll just get at them early and we'll get something. So the 3-0... We, we are due to click for a game where we do score. Yeah. Whether it's this one's a, a yeah. separate argument. 3-0. Uh, JK Gordon, Christian Dennis, and da, 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 Jordan Gibson. We'll get the other one. Uh, right, let's have Mike's prediction as well for this one. I'm going to go for a 1-0 win with a Ryan Edmondson goal. He's keeping it very tight, isn't he? Mm. 1-0. Mm, very interesting. I wouldn't say no to it. No, certainly not. Certainly not. No change to the prediction table, by the way, because none of us predicted nil-nils, obviously. Um, right, Dan. Uh, X-Files. Quiet midweek, but fairly busy last weekend. Yeah, there was a, a few on the Saturday. Uh, James Tavernier got a goal. For Rangers, as Another usual. <laughs> uh, free, free kick over a penalty this time. Yeah. Uh, Jenny Yates got a penalty for Blackpool in their 4 1 home defeat to Coventry. Mm. Uh, one we haven't heard for a while, Megan Slater scored mm. for Hull in the 1 0 draw at Reading. Yeah. Uh, Jamie Proctor scored for Port Vale in their 3 2 home defeat to Burton. Uh, he can score against us, but he got two <laughs> against Hartlepool in the early kickoff. Do you see Andy one of these Cook. goals? A wonderful finish, like a proper like slice yeah, volley yeah. on the side. He's he's such a good finisher on his day. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Ashley Addison scored for Crawley yeah. as they beat Wimbledon one 0 at Parlaid. That could be a massive result for them. That really could because yeah. Hartlepool were just just starting to claw a few points back on them, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. Paddy Madden scored for Stockport in their one all draw with Mansfield. Uh, dropping into the non-league, Mark Beck scored again for Solihull as they beat Boreham Wood two 0 and in the National League North, George Waring. George Waring scored for Curzon Ashton as a one three two at Telford. I had to look this up because I, I was convinced he was still at Chester. And like when I looked and I was yeah. looking through the scores, I was like, there's no one scored called Waring who scored for Chester. So I had to go and Google yeah. where he was at now. <laughs> uh, other news, uh, Janet Branthwaite and James Trafford both called up to the England under-21 squad. However, Janet's he got subbed for PSV at the weekend mm. with a slight injury, so he's uh, he's had to withdraw, unfortunately. Shame that, isn't it? And friend of the Brunton Bugle, George Tanner, signed a new three-and-a-half-year deal at Bristol City. Mm. Yeah, that's good. He's, he, he had a tough first season there, didn't he? In and out yeah, of injuries yeah. and stuff, but he's really sort yeah. of excelled he's, this season. He's cemented, and he, he, he got took off at half-time against Man City in the cup match, mm. but he was actually... Sacrificed for more attacking, and yeah. he's he's they really like him. I've uh, I've been reading on their forums and that, and uh, mm. I think the three year deal is them locking in some potential profit in yeah. time. Yeah, because I imagine Cause, 
because they've got a few good young players. If Bristol yeah. that well, Alex Scott, that Alex, Alex Scott, they're talking twenty-five million for him. Yeah. He's good, like he is good. Yeah, but right. uh, I, I would imagine. I've no idea if it is, but I would imagine we will have some sort of sell-on. Yes, You'd I'd be very surprised if we never. We I mean, saw the general thing now. I mean, even if it's only ten percent, and let's say he goes for five million yeah. or something to a yeah. Premier League club in the future. Yeah. Half a million pounds, you, thank you very you, much. You could imagine him going to a Burnley or something, couldn't you? Yeah, you could do, actually, to be fair. I imagine yeah. Burnley would be raiding a few championship clubs in the summer. Yeah. When they, I mean, they, they're big, I think they only need three more wins, I think, to go Burnley. So they're pretty much there, I think, for one gather. Right, Dan, uh, that's it then. That's it for this week's episode. Thank you very much for joining me, as usual. Really appreciate it. Um, thanks very much to our sponsors, the London Branch, again, for their support this season. Uh, really really appreciate that thank you for everyone who's, who's been passing comments when I'm at games actually as well and saying you know really love the, the show in fact G- George who gave me a ticket I think it was his dad said to me he really enjoys the pod he, he did say something some nonsense about uh, Dan being the f- funnier of the two but it's bollocks that really isn't it but there you go George <laughs> next time you see me in a away game pints on me mate <laughs> uh, typical that isn't it but there you go but there, we've had a couple that, of people we had, we had that some... pints available to anyone who publicly makes that comment <laughs> <laughs> cue, oh. cue me going to audience and buy yeah. the entire pub a drink exactly exactly but uh, we did actually have someone come up to us at the uh the Stevenage game as well, didn't we, beforehand? Um, was it Chris, I think, who's from down in London? He had a, a lovely yes, yes. J-League J- talk. Because we, we were commenting before he came up to us. I, 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 I was slyly looking at it going, I'm sure that's a Japanese top. Was it Yokohama Marinas? I, Maybe. I it, was a, it was a blue one, but it's a lovely top. Really lovely top. And yeah. yeah, he just came up and said, oh, I really love the podcast. So thank you very much, Chris, yeah. as well, for your comments. Really appreciate that. Like I said, Listener numbers, you know, I'm not going to tell exact numbers, but they've they've gone up massively this season. It's really, really good to see. We're getting really good numbers every episode, and you know, if you know, if, if you've got friends who are Cardiff fans, tell them about the pod, get them listening. You know, really, really appreciate getting more people involved. Dan, thanks for joining me. No problem. Thanks everyone for listening, and up the blues. Up the blues. You didn't make any noises. No, because the missus was texting us. <laughs> <Fair enough. laughs> so I was uh, too busy texting her back. <laughs> n- no surprise for you all there this week, unless you listen this far. So there you go. Cheers. <laughs>